0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Probably you want to be seated. I want to start today's message mentioning that we are now amid the week of prayer for Christian unity. And this is, I'm going to call it an observance dedicated to fostering unity among different Christian denominations, different Christian traditions. This observance promotes understanding, collaboration, and shared worship among Christians from various traditions. So I'm saying this because I would like you to keep this in your prayers. May this week Celebrate our shared devotion to Christ, fostering understanding, compassion, and the transformative power of unity. Together, let us pray for a world united in God's love, because it is very much needed. Now, today we gather to reflect on a passage from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1 verses 14 to 20. In this passage, Jesus extends his invitation to ordinary people like you and me. Well, some more ordinary than others, but anyway, that's a different topic. It is a narrative that speaks to us about responding to the call and embarking on a transformative journey of discipleship. Now, I'm going to use four words in this sermon. And you know, I am a teacher, and I am quite tactile and quite visual, and many, many other things. So, the first one is this one, creation, zo So you, you can say it um, in your own language, you know, if you don't mind, creation, zo-zo. We've got the second one, which is promise, yakusaku, promise. We've got a third one, which is fulfillment, yo And we've got a fourth one, which is glory, ego. I think I said okay, no? More or less, yeah? Atsumi can, can help me. Atsumi, can you, can you repeat the words, please? Help me here. <laughs> And then, Oh my goodness, my Japanese. And. Yeah, and. Very, very good. And uh, you might be, you might, thank think to me, we, don't applaud him there, but I will give you, you know, an applause later on because he did very, very well. So, um, you might be thinking, oh my goodness, this priest is crazy. Why is he doing this? What, why do we have these four words today? What do you think is the relationship between these um, four words? <laughs> I'm making you feel uncomfortable. No, 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 no. Okay, we're going to get to that um, later on. And, you know, I promise you it's not a very long sermon. I, I don't talk much. You notice that. So, Jesus' first words in Mark's Gospel are mysterious. Jesus is full of mystery. He tells us this is the time of fulfillment, and I think I have it here. What does this mean? It means that when Jesus Christ came onto the scene, it was a turning point in the history of the world. This is because Jesus ushers the third age of human history. Now, the first age was the era of creation. And during this period, mankind lived in the fullness of communion with God. If we read Genesis, we we understand this. It was when Adam and Eve lived in paradise, and they were in an unspoiled friendship with God. This ended with the original sin, so we are told, and the subsequent fall from grace. Evil entered the world. Then, the second age began. The Age of Promise. Now you know. God promised Adam and Eve that he would send a savior to free the human family from domination by the devil. In this second age, God gradually prepared the world through the education of his chosen people, Israel, for the arrival of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With Jesus began the time of fulfillment, in which the promise of salvation is fulfilled. In this age, the Christian age, God entered time and space to rescue it from sin and destruction. He did so at first through the incarnation, and he continues to do so through the activity of the Church, what we do here, for example. Which is gradually expanding into every corner of this planet. At the end of this third age, Christ will come again, ushering in the fourth and final age of glory, when evil, death, and sorrow will be banished from his kingdom forever. Now, seeing this. Things, from the perspective of these four stages of history, fills us with wisdom, peace, and a sense of purpose, because things make sense. But my question is, do we look at things this way? Do we use these parameters? St. Paul had fully adopted this view of history, and he applied this to his own life and he means this in the second reading when he tells us that the time is running out. The time is running out. Modern science and technology the advances tend us or make us forget what's St. Paul's always remembered. The word in its present form is passing away. As soon as St. Paul came to understand that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of God's promise, that with Jesus the age of the promise had given way to the age of fulfillment, everything changed for him. Paul experienced metanoia and we were talking about this on Tuesday's um, Bible study. Metanoia is a profound change of heart, mind, and life through God's grace and the transformative power of faith in Christ. Now, this is a Japanese-Canadian church, and I always like to establish some sort of parallelism. And I think Japan is full of beauty in its philosophy. Has one concept which is satori. Satori refers to a sudden and profound enlightenment or awakening which leads to a fundamental shift in one's understanding. It is a transformative experience that can change the way a person perceives the world. And this is exactly what happened to Paul. And this is exactly what happened to us. While Paul was traveling from city to city, arresting and persecuting and torturing Christians, Jesus himself appeared to him in a blinding vision and spoke to him. That encounter with the risen Lord made Paul realize that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And so, Paul stopped and changed Metanoia. And instead of arresting and persecuting Christians, Paul became a Christian himself. And he dedicated the next 30 years of his life to help him others discover what he found. The personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the unconditional forgiveness of his sins, the wisdom and joy of living in the bull's eye of truth. Paul's generous response to God's invitation on the day of his conversion gave him. The interior freedom that he describes in today's second reading. All the passing of sorrows, joys, and worries of this present life didn't disappear when he became a Christian, but they fell into their proper place. Once Christ becomes the center. Of our lives, and we see things from this per- perspective, he becomes the unifying factor, like the string that holds all the pearls together in a beautiful necklace, not that I have one. The most exciting aspect of the Christian view of history is that Christ is constantly Inviting us to take part in it. What happened, the narration of today's gospel, happens to each of us throughout our lives. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were all living their normal lives, working to keep food at the table by all external signs they were completely indistinguishable from any of their contemporaries you could not tell the difference but then one day the disturber Jesus Christ walked into their midst and called them each by name Jesus didn't see them as he doesn't see us as average people, as generic fishermen, Jesus saw each one in the revealing light of God's love. He knew that he had created them for an active role in his plan to redeem the human race and conquer the forces of sin and evil. And just as he invited each one of them to join his team, and share his mission, so he does with us. Some of us he calls to leave behind our nets, boats, and even our families, so that we can serve the church full-time as special agents, as priests, religious, missionaries. Others he called to be his ambassadors in the, la- in the middle of our normal family and work life, redeeming the world from within, like leaven in the now. But either way, he calls each one of us, no doubt. Today, he will renew his call when he offers himself to us in the Eucharist. By reminding us today of the true course of human history, he was motivated as motivating us as to renew our response to that call in our hearts, to let our friendship with him truly become the most important thing for us. More important than our plans, our pleasures, hopes, comfort, because all those things are just part of the world in its present form, which is, as we learn, passing away. May the Holy Spirit empower us to respond with immediacy and obedience, trusting that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. As we follow him, may we too become fishers of men and women, vessels of God's love, grace, and transformation in a world that yearns, that needs the good news. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.